kind of two questions. Um, uh, I guess the first thing, I, Sarah, you, you had mentioned that uh, we could put this in as a part of our annual uh, report to the board, and and I, I would argue that it's something that we should maybe want to consider for not just with our house, but uh, other other senior living uh, uh, communities, and maybe can maybe investigate that. But the other piece of that is that obviously takes, takes time and. Uh, is there, I guess the one question I would have is, is there any, any reason why the property owner could not, the property manager that they couldn't actually extend their service to, to Saturday? That would be the, the, the most efficient in terms of uh, getting something going right away. Uh, let's say that their larger request isn't, uh, isn't, isn't pertinent or anything, but it's, I think it would just take more time. And also we'd have to consider all of the, uh, I don't think this is the only senior living community. There's many senior living communities. I know there's one right off of uh, seven here in, at, uh, in Dallas, many of them from Dallas uh, Mall. There's a bunch of them throughout the county, so we'd have to look at it more comprehensively. I don't know if we could just do things like that. I think this is a fair comment. So, appreciate what your uh, suggestion is on the charter term. Um, at least try to understand what the, what the obstacles are okay. because they clearly they chose Monday through Friday. So why Saturday? And you know, is Saturday the only day? I mean, that is an issue. Is Sunday not an issue? And some of those, I, I mean, I, it was like it also thought that they were only around for Saturday. I, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they were just trying not to go too far, and maybe, maybe I get just Saturday, and maybe I get that or. We have less demand on Sundays, so we might just be Saturday. There's a couple of questions I have on, on, on that. But that's why I was asking uh, Sarah if that's something that we can respond to. I know Ramallah, um, um, I want to thank you for going out there. I'm just curious to see. I'd like to actually hear more. Uh, yes, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't be able to respond directly to them. Like okay. I said, directly to you. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Scott, did you get any words? Yeah, so it's 40 in June, it was averaging 47 a day, which is that's the whole route. That's the whole route all day. So, to put that in perspective, it's about 4% of the total ridership of the local fixed route routes. So, it's in the lower echelon of ridership. That must stop. And, and that's not, by the way, that's not specific to Wingler House. That's the 62 total. What was that number, Scott? Hmm? What was the number? 47. It's, it, it's, and, and it's, you know, there's there's a couple of routes that are hanging in that as well. Uh, but, you know, we're, we've got a study going on, or getting ready. I just kicked off that uh, that we assume is going to give us a little more information on this kind of stuff. Uh, because I'm, you know, that's a an hourly route essentially. Yeah. So you're there's a lot of obstacles there. Uh, the connectivity to other routes on as good as we'd like it to be. And that's just going to Afro Village, right? Afro Village Shopping Center. This is going yes, exactly. Okay. How many how many other routes were actually run on Saturday by the county? Um want to say seven. Uh, route 70 runs, route 70 runs up and down, 82 
runs Route 57 runs in Leesburg because of that. Leesburg's paying for it. They wanted it run. Route 54 runs on weekends because it's it's for the town of Leesburg, and they wanted it run so they're paying for it. Uh, uh, how much? Just out of curiosity. I mean, not not to be stereotypical, but just out of curiosity. Is there a decent number of paratransit runs at all out of that or out of that area? Because I know that because it's like a quarter mile, maybe half mile tops, depending on where you're going in that shopping center. Uh, but the giant on the closer end, Windmill House is on the same side of the street. It's really yeah, across that village boulevard. If I remember that right. place, if I remember correctly, it's right in front of uh, Farm Hall Middle School. Um, so it's not overly far, but I'm kind of curious how many paratransit. Um, I couldn't answer you that. Oh, yeah. We're sitting in here today, like well, we can certainly look at it. Yeah, just something not to consider it. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you this: we pushed for weekend service in its budget cycle and got rejected. Uh, we did not have the 62 in that list. Uh, we were really trying to get the newer silver line routes onto that as a starter, and then we could at least get our Crack the door open and start adding more service. Uh, I think it'll come. It's just, you know, and now that we've got nine letters sitting in, so you can bet it comes up. You know, because it's when you're dealing with transit, you get into a whole, you can dice it and slice it a whole bunch of different ways. But the reality of it is, it's, if it's not running or if it's running every hour, you're artificially limiting what your action is going to be anyway. Right when the the given standards out there are 10 to 15 minute headways, you know, very short trips, those kind of things, and that's where we have to get. So, so uh, Rudy, um, so next step. So, if you want to respond, I think it was Carol send an email. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send an email. Uh, and just have to listen to more. Yeah, but I wanted to if. if uh, I don't know if you were kind of like a copy you, please. So just because they're technically, I guess, a broad run, I want to make sure. But say what led address to me, I'd like to respond. Yeah. But honestly, it's the first time I've been on the board for seven years. The first time I actually got a letter. Like, <laughs> it's a derby. Oh, good. Yeah. Time to look up the other members of the board. So I, I, I love it. I just want to They did that due diligence, except that they didn't know which just didn't matter. That's all. Hey, I'm happy. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, as long as I uh, joined Loudoun County in this role in 2016, and this is, this is the first batch of letters that we've received. That's great. Uh, my knowledge. What's the name of the most of it? I would recommend, I mean, I don't know what response you're going to say, but. You know, I would recommend the same. We took it to this. We reported it to staff at the meeting. They will consider, you know, you know, all future service changes. If you want more information or not, please contact the staff directly and track it. I, I would try to stay out of the middle of. Yeah, as friends and operations, that's a fair point. Yeah, thank you. You might get they actually contact their roadway supervisor too. Yeah, it's there. It, it, it's just last. Yeah, it's a good it, it really comes down to funding because, mm -hmm. as Scott said, we've asked for it before. I think for a couple of years now, we've been years years years. Years. and it's just not rising to the top yet. So, okay. 
Actually, just yesterday oh, yeah. evening, we received an email. And, uh, he is a senior, a Tarkton resident, senior riding the long haul commuter bus from Leesburg to DC, and requested that, and this went into the, the tab um, email. I haven't had a chance to distribute it to you. Um, he asked that we consider uh, adopting a senior citizen discount for fares on the long haul commuter bus and uh, some reasons why we need to bring Loudon in line with senior discounts offered on the MARC trains and metro system and potentially filling some empty seats with seniors who want to visit DC for a day trip. So that, that last part, that sounds like a commuter bus, right? Commuter bus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and generally, we're encouraging people to get on the silver line where there is. That's a, what I'm wondering. Yeah. Yes. There is a senior discount. So. Okay. Or the or the hotel. The current policy on long haul service, the commuter service is is for the service to pay for itself, meaning ten dollar one way ride. Um, that policy has been suspended. I can't remember the date until it's got to be re, re reviewed, but um, I'm not sure the board would be open to a senior discount on a commuter bus, especially with, since we have the silver line now. But, um, like, if, if there isn't this project can be operated to a group of people who wouldn't use it otherwise, then it's kind of like an advantage. Right, it's, it's additional revenue, and it's it's parameter that we're not really like if they're not competing with the full price drivers, then it's just more revenue for the, the council. If I can add on to that, I, I know that I remember seeing Steve's charts about the daily charts of the up and down. You know, maybe not every day, but maybe like Mondays or Fridays when the when the when the ridership is actually really low and you've already run into services, you can. Uh, maybe that's an op option there because uh, you know even five dollars is still better than zero dollars. So if you're already running a bus, just something to think about. Yeah, I think they call it the selling extra capacity, right? Or, yeah, but I think they call it selling extra capacity. Maybe I read if I'm not mistaken, it's currently offering a summertime. I think it's free Friday. Uh, promotion okay. and they're marketing it towards you know getting kids who are at home out of school downtown riding VRE down to DC in the morning museum all day VRE back so they don't have the silver line yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah. okay one one other announcement that Judy Galen our employer Specialist asks that I um, alert the tab to on August 12th. Uh, Loudoun County were a sponsoring organization as part of the Clean Air Partners Eco Driving Exhibit, and this will take place at the Dallas Town Center, and uh, it's going to include some interactive activities geared at seeing uh, ways to encourage people to ride share uh, to reduce vehicle emissions. Um, she described a, a bubble that this car will be in, and as you uh, propose different scenarios, it'll insert 
uh, plumes of gas that you know will fill up this bubble. And uh, so I'll be sharing additional information with you as that becomes available. But she asked that I let you know about it. So that's August 12th at the Dallas. Oh, and before we move on to the next item, um, I need to, for the record, Susie Wilson is participating remotely and she is in Sandbridge, Virginia. And you need to ask her to stay the location. Do the best. So I just stated, yeah. Uh, Susie, if that is not accurate, please let us know. She needs on. She's currently on. She's needed. Yeah, she's needed. Susie, can you unmute and give us your location? Maybe she said the word for the Yeah, That concludes okay. my okay. items. Oh, sorry. Um, thanks, uh, Sarah. Inputs on public comments and the announcement. I appreciate that. Um, moving on to organizational matters, uh, approval of the May 17th tab uh, business agreements. Uh, it's, it was attached to the package of the agenda that starts now. Anybody has any uh, comments, questions on last months or last meeting agreements? If you don't have, can I have a motion to adopt them as presented? So, not a second by Gurji. All in favor? Okay. Anyone opposed? Yes, no. Susie, if you can hear us, um, you were at the last meeting. Um, Sounds right. That's right. That's right. All right. We'll keep back with Susie. Um, uh, moving on, uh, item 2B is the organizational, the organizations, the uh, annual report discussion uh, that I think. She mentioned that we can add the weekend bus service to format. It's uh, this is this to FGEOC, right? Our intention is to present it to the finance government committee. So, if you want to provide some inputs on that, I don't on the annual report. So as far as the time frame for this, uh, your terms are expiring at the end of December. And what I was thinking, just for ideas, for to give you food for thought that you can um, adjust as you feel appropriate, is to present uh, present a presentation to the Finance and Government Committee that basically introduces yourself. This body has never been before one of these uh, standing committees. And so, just to let them know uh, who you are, what your purpose is, 
Um, and then highlight what you might have done during the course of, the, of your term, which started in 2020. So along those lines was the opening of the silver line. Um, we kicked off this transit strategic plan that you are a part of. Uh, so we can come up with some some other activities that, that you want to highlight in there. And then uh, recommend another thing to include would be recommendations moving forward for the next body to consider. Uh, this would also be the time to adjust bylaws if you wanted to. We're going to talk separately about your request for the allowed and human services network position. Um, but in a that and I'm not saying that you should include that as your report this time, but something like that moving forward might be something that you would include. Uh, and then I also want to give the board a reminder that your terms do run concurrently with theirs um, and that we will need to reappoint a new board in January. We can um, start talking about some ideas now and then finding them by the September meeting. Um, but the goal would be to present this within a calendar year, so either November or December. Um, so uh, you mentioned highlights from the past. That's as collectively as a body, or as yeah, as yeah. Okay. Um, and of course, uh, what's coming in the, or for the next four was uh, what's all those things. So, like for example, you've gotten feedback at least in one location for service. It may be something that you want to. Ask the finance committee to consider for the future. It's only one group, but um, we don't know what the demand is. You can get that in. But... Who writes that? Is that something that we write as a group, or is that something that you know we give the bullet one? Ron writes, or I write. Uh, so Ron on the board has said that it would be expected to present that to the finance and government committee. But who would write it? And my understanding is you guys can write it. I'll certainly help you, and I'll provide you with the templates and um, you know start adding content. But as far as or putting it, formatting it into the presentation, but the content needs to come from you all. Got it. So I think it's uh, it's critical that we discuss what we want to have as part of the uh, as part of the presentation that we want to make it to the committee. I think the core, the essence. I think we want to talk. Um, you know, I just kick it off today and then maybe we can talk about it in That's what we have done in the past on some of these items. So uh, if you have any thoughts, I'll um, be happy to gather those thoughts and then sort of summarize them in the email as bullet points and then take it back to the job, write it up, and then reach out for review. So this is past what we have accomplished uh, and uh, any anything that we so goals, goals that accomplished in the past, goals that we and depending on the term and length, we have been on the board, so we can include that assignments. So if you want, if you if you don't want to provide them to let us talk, fine. If you want to email them, uh, I'll start an email chain to all all of us. Do uh, the. Staff needs to be with the email. Well, it might be helpful that way. Um, 
start populating some stuff. Sure. So, so I would probably staff and send it to the PAT membership. So you can kind of like that email on your toss to that chat. On this one, I would just simply Sarah because she's a staff in his own. Yeah. And I would also mention that the men's volume meetings, which talks about things, you know, presentations and things like that, would also be helpful for materials and development. So those are available online. Okay. Oh, you mean for the past? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you if you, you want to if you yeah. wanted to look yeah. them up, yeah. 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 Exactly. refresh your memory. Hello. Are you here for the transit advisory board? I didn't know it was weeding here. Okay. I've dealt with you folks for decades, so I argue. I'm Rob Whitfield, and I don't know if I recognize this one here. But when Nancy Gourley ran well, I'm trying to know for 10 years ago. Nancy? Yep. So I am interested to see what you're doing. I support what Loudon County Matters has done over the years. Interested to see what's happening. Great. Um, sir, if you would please, could you sign the uh, sign in sheet? Thank you. And this is um, reflecting back now, currently, four year Correct. Um, and, and that's my recommendation. Once in January, uh, and get reappointed, and you're all part of the board again uh, for the next annual report. It it would include a projection forward of what you want to do, but I don't uh, think it would be appropriate to put that onus on the next board until they're coming. So I'll be off an email chain and make a promise to do that, I think. Go from there. All right. Uh, any questions, comments on that before we go on to to see? I guess uh, uh so section 2c is a status of request for bylaws amendment for allowable services that were coming into watch Sarah just mentioned. Uh, do we have an updated status on that? Uh, yes. So Penny and I have been working closely with county administration on how to move this forward. And uh, Penny was and I were able to speak with Monica Spell. She's an assistant county administrator and oversees a lot of the human services departments within the county. Uh, one thing that she brought to our attention is that it's important that we not limit this um, nonprofit organization to just allow the human services that uh, there are lots of other applicable nonprofits that are in the county that are not part of that. And it uh, could cause some issues if we restricted to that. Other, there were some advantages that we had a built-in nominating entity. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that, how how we were with the nomination, and and one thing we discussed was having an application process that we distribute to all of the nonprofits and make sure that they are applicable to the transits needs and in, in there either themselves 
uh, like Echo is a transit provider, or that they're an agency that serves the communities that live, that use transit. That reside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then filter those applications and put forth a recommendation to the county admin. Uh, so that's a little bit different direction than and I think the recommendation was that we as staff or human service agency get to go through the screening process. So it's so them directly up front, they can be along the staff to go up yeah. in the final process. Apparently, and this is something we came across as we were, you know, digging in a little deeper on this. And there's some of these things coming to me when I'm driving down the road, but um, apparently in the past there was a real issue about nonprofits that aren't part of the human services network being excluded from an activity or an event. And so um, our public affairs office, along with uh, county administration have developed a process whereby when we involve nonprofits, we generally want to follow them. So while I was, we were excited about having the Latin Human Services Network represented here, we were instructed that we would be better served by reaching out to the whole community and then developing a screening process for human services agencies. Doesn't mean that Loudoun Human Services Network wouldn't be the one that selected or a representative from that group. But um, so apparently, and I didn't know this, uh, to be a member of the Loudoun Human Services Network, you have to pay a membership fee. So some nonprofits have chosen not to pay that membership fee. And I don't know what the amount is. I don't know, Sarah, if you ever came across it. So we're trying to get that in front of the Finance Committee. For recommendation so that we can get this get this thing moving because we've been talking about it for quite a long time. Um, and then another thing that um, this is kind of a little off topic, but something that Monica mentioned was it's really awkward to have your terms end at the end of calendar year 23, just as new members potentially on the board are coming in. And I don't know if it's if we could. We probably need to run this up to county admin, but one thought she had was, should we have your terms run through like through April of 24 so that new members coming in had time to get their feet on the ground and figure out who they want to point to the tab. Um, so that's adding another dimension to the whole bylaws changes. If I can remember correctly, um, Sarah, I think you're going to last four years ago. You mentioned something that our terms are they may end, but we actually, there was something weird that we just don't be on the board until we're, uh, if we, if we intend to stay on the board, we can stay on the board until we go through the nomination process again. Mm -hmm. So there was something like that, you know? Yeah, and I, I'd have to pull up the old bylaws because it almost seems like it was actually written in the old bylaws. The new template doesn't have that. Okay. Um, I will but, that that is a question worth following up with the, with the county administration office and uh, just confirm that because I, I do recall them reiterating that outside of any discussion about the bylaws that your terms could continue until you were either replaced or or reappointed. So that's something I will. Yeah, I think that was the case in twenty eleven. Well, my, the thought is that at least for the short term, I mean, there's an next election yeah. at, at kind of bridges that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. But also, it makes sense to move it further up because 
for any member of the board, their hands are extremely full in the beginning of the year. They have a lot of work to do, and like mm -hmm. having one less thing is probably just going to be beneficial for. It's going to be a couple less. Exactly, like they need to do a lot of things and pointing people to boards is. Mm -hmm. That used to be something to add into the uh, annual report. It was a recommendation for the continuity of your of your board. Uh, so what I would like is uh, for you all to consider revising the nomination that you or your uh, motion that you approved last time. And that would be whether or not to open it up to other nonprofit agencies. And so I would like for you to consider um, that that option and make a motion if you feel it appropriate. I'd like to make that motion because I'm, the one thing that concerned me is the the paid part, paid and play. I was not aware of that. Yeah. And uh, that does concern me. I would uh, not say that no one by any stretch. I, I just want to make it. Make the pool bigger so that it, you don't have to pay in order to have a potential uh, to be on that to be on this twice. Yeah, have voice support. So I'd like to make that motion to expand the motion to uh, have that seat be open to all nonprofits, uh, any nonprofits based in uh, county. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, so the motion. We need to discuss it. Oh yeah, yeah. Is there a description? Yeah, yeah. No, if if we're gonna be expanding it, right? Who is then gonna be selecting that one person to represent? Yeah, staff. Okay. And and what we discussed with Monica was having um, leadership from human services agencies, or there doesn't be like uh, family services and mental health and others that work with nonprofits to participate in that process. So they would then submit their entry mm -hmm. for representative. Uh, well, it would be a countywide uh, announcement for right. anyone interested, and then uh, the candidates that apply would come to staff, meaning probably Sarah, right. and then we would convene this committee or panel to right. review and discuss what would be uh, from the human services perspective, from our perspective, who would best fit with a focus on transit and how to improve transit programming in the in the county. And uh, I don't recall that we had to take it to county administration. I think we can, as staff, will make a determination of that okay. matter. Right. And the group that you all know what we decided. And ultimately, it would need um, confirmation from the Board of Supervisors. Just, okay. just, just, just like us. That's right. So the process will essentially go just like us, uh, except that maybe there will be a layer of staff. Yeah, we right now staff appoint three positions, um, and uh, I guess the board has to approve those too. Yes, mm -hmm. so it'd be similar to what we're doing right now. For long haul, mm -hmm. local fixed route and double connection. Yeah. So being a general advocate a little bit. Uh, I remember Scott making a point that the initial idea was that this body shared experience writing a transit and then morphed into something uh, different, different from that. So it seems like this selection process is going to be pretty taxing on this stuff. Do we really see the benefit of like, all, all that additional work? Like that additional work will it produce the result that's proportional to the work? 
nasty me. <laughs> I said I'll be boring. Um, then I'll send a question. Okay, so like we. Ask the staff right to perform a selection process, right. which will be consuming their time. Right, they have to develop selection criteria. Right, they have to distribute materials. They have to collect materials. They have to convene, discuss, and select. Right, so like it, it will burn not a significant number of hours. So the result of the new entity of the board. Is it proportional to the time that the staff spends working? Like, do we get enough benefit from that process? Hmm. Well, I mean, my perspective is this is what we do as staff, and public affairs has already developed a process for recruitment. Uh, it's one of our job duties, essentially. So, so, it's extra, it's extra work. so I think well, it, it is extra work. So, the thing is, so I think what they are saying that is, uh, so today we have, uh, who do we have here from from long haul, if there's a long haul bus from here or metro or local bus, so typically the pool comes from staff and staff, if there's more than one person interested, they usually go through the process of, I mean, to be very mindful So I think they are saying this would be very similar. Mm -hmm. if, if, there is, if, there, if there's a big interest, there's a big interest um, to serve the yes, that capacity, then you're right, they will need to spend, they will create some formulae or you know, uh, criteria and evaluation process. Then it will be labor intensive or it's time consuming, but otherwise it's Okay. Not necessarily yesterday, just one or two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You had a caveat before you because of the membership fees involved, and some uh, organizations decided on the party due to the nature of fees, fees involved. So, Tony uh, recommended that we create an open mindset. So, that's where it's going to come to staff. That's the change in staff is going to handle that process. It will be approved by the board of How many positions on the board? Just one for that? For that? Just one. Yeah. One seat. So that that would make a board of sixteen members. Currently, fifteen with three vacancies. District, Sterling district. So we have four vacancies. Actually, four vacancies. Including Sterling. Yes. Uh, the um, chair at large, Charity. local, metro, and Sterling district are currently not filled. It was fifteen here. One additional one. Yeah. And just and I don't think you were here for that discussion, but just normally like you have an odd number just before forums kicked in. But we thought when we debated it, it was we thought that having that voice on the board over overweighed that that concern. And we will just have to have nine people to have that form or yeah, nine people, I guess we are fully if we're full. 
my thought was, uh, since I haven't seen the list of organizations that would potentially fill that fill the slot, that you could designate um, another group of people that we haven't considered. So I know we only have one spot, but uh, once you field it now beyond uh, beyond that one organization, they find that you bring back more than one spot. Right. So that's I don't see that. In my opinion, I don't see it. Because if it's centered around that specific group and you open it to everybody under that umbrella, being a paid member or not, you're still centered under that specific group, focusing on that specific group's you know, interest. Sorry. Yeah. So I don't really see that we're missing anything because we, we're expanding it and it's been, it's been um, set out, right? We're, we're trying to get another perspective at the table. And I think we do run the risk of getting someone who doesn't see the whole picture. But on the other hand, I'd rather have a voice at the table than not, from my perspective. Right. And I um, Yeah. And, and, the, and the other part from the county staff side is we're trying to implement or actually working to get implemented a program where we're doing uh, reach out, outreach to uh, nonprofits across the county. We've been trying to get this off the ground, but the more we learn, the more we realize we've got to work with public affairs to do it the right way. So when we file information, we've got this consistent questions, consistent feedback that you know gives us meaningful feedback. So uh, by I'm hoping by August that we can get these meetings going. We've had one meeting which was very helpful with the sh shelter house. And the staff there were very excited to hear that we were interested in learning more about what their, their clients' transportation needs are. So we're trying to really beef up our outreach effort across the county to hear from people we don't always hear from. And that's why we thought of the idea of having somebody like that on our on a nonprofit representative at the table. I think that's great. Um, I would be interested in uh, this as a contingency because you know we think we're have path from everyone, but their goal is to reach out countywide. So in, uh, on the website, they would only have the organizations that are paid members, right? That, that's I think you're talking about the Loud and Even Services Network. Yeah, so they only have their paid option. So as part of our solicitation process. There would be a news release. The county also maintains um, essentially an email list of nonprofits who have contacted the county and said they want to be on. There's no charge for that. So it would be distributed to that, and we'd work with our public affairs team to you know, try to expand our reach. We would share it with the Loudoun Human Services Network for sure, because they're already an organized body. Um, so and you know, if there are other suggestions for how to get a broader reach to more nonprofits, we'd certainly consider that. But it wouldn't, the goal is to not limit it just to the loudest of the services. Right. Yeah, I was uh, more just thinking about it. I would go to the website and see if I could capture, obviously, the ones that are under that umbrella. I'd like to see the other ones that potentially are, you know, are not in that just as a ordinary. See, you know, well, we, we may be capturing this group of people, but what about this? And that's why I was asking. Mm -hmm. um, because I know your goal is to get get feedback out of the best to the best of your ability. Yeah. Um 
based on a discussion with Monica Spells, um, I think county administration went through a process before and learned that they had to do things differently. And so somebody before us that could have paved the way for how this should be done. So I'm glad we reached out to county administration because we would have gone down the wrong road and gotten in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, call them? Yeah. <laughs> so you can call the motion center. Yeah. Uh, do you want to reach it? Sure. Uh, the motion is to to recommend the original motion, which is to uh, to add a which would be human services seat to uh, allow for uh, any uh, nonprofit in uh, in Loudoun County to uh, submit uh, submit. Nominee for that for that position, not just the reasons. Is there a second? Second. Anybody else? All in favor? Black water. Abstain. Abstain. Black objects. So, fast. I don't know. Susie's on the line. She can't hear us. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes, Susie. Oh, um, good. Catch. I finally caught was I finally had to call in. I can see you all on video, but I had to call in. Okay, thank you. Did you hear the discussion we just had on uh, the uh, human services representative addition to the transport? Uh, yes, I've been following. I was following that discussion about um, the the possible space for um, nonprofit organizations. Uh, on the tab. Uh, could you so, repeat what you just said, though, because it was uh, a little fuzzy. So, yeah, not a problem. Um, so, uh, essentially, we ordered earlier uh, to have a representative for the seat uh, exclusively um, appointed by Human Services Board. Uh, but Rufi, um, it will be discussed and Rufi made and Amendment to the original motion, and I'll let me say that. Yeah, the motion was to expand the nomination. The, the, the nomination would be open to any nonprofit in Loudoun, based in Loudoun County, uh, not just the Human Services Board. So, so anyone, any nonprofit who wants to nominate someone for that shit for that uh, for that board, uh, advisory board seat. <laughs> Uh, could do so, not just they don't have to be part of the human service network, which of course is still welcome to do a nomination. Also, we're running through the uh, staff. So. Yes, yes. And they'll be interviewed by um, the, the submissions will come to staff, and then staff will be a screening or reviewing uh, the submissions. And then uh, it will work for a surprise. So that's the motion that was made and uh, seconded by Charles. And people in the room uh, voted yay um, and glad abstained. Uh, do you have a vote on that, Susie? I I would say yay. Okay. So that passes uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six in the room and then seven. Seven, yay, and then one abstained. Okay, I'll be right. All right. So it'd be eight. Eight, yeah, eight in the room, eight, eight gays, and one upstate. Um, so before moving on to staff updates, 
Mr. Winfield, if you have any public comments for us, or you just digest it all. I was involved with Nancy running about my comments, let's say from about 2011 when they approved phase two of the silver line. I can tell you that Nancy testified to the Board of Supervisors in April 2012. They did a survey of providers of loud transit. 90% of them said they wanted to maintain riding buses because they were so satisfied. Even if, even if the, the amount of subsidy, which I think was $2, was dropped. So I haven't followed. I'm very much involved in the manual situation with the model, which is going to engulf us all in the next 12 plus months. But uh, I'm certainly in favor of the. Like, I've only written loud mechanical transit a couple of times, but. I think you've done a very good service. I don't know what your ridership is now at, at 19, but I've dealt in the past with people like Charles Gunn, So, is anybody, from, is anybody here from the county staff? I know it's there. So We've got four of us here. Oh, you are a member of the board? No, no, no. no we're all staff. We're all staff today. I literally happened to be coming to the library and I saw this meeting and I said, oh, the opinions. So what is ridership these days? We have a report later on in the meeting to tell you. I'll, I'll look for it in the chat. Is, yeah. is this online? Yeah, it's online and the ridership is going to be one of the next few updates. Okay. Well, I, thought I came here for a little purpose. Sure. sure. I'm just seeing, and, and I can let me tell you, is we. I, I was I'm very much involved in dealing with Richmond Commonwealth Transportation Board CTB. CTB. And I don't know if you have any projects that are being submitted uh, for the upcoming year with the RIT, but uh, I'm very supportive of the small bus service that you've done and in fact with an article in the DRIT news today about what they call it, this new kind of micro transit service, yeah. which for the less dense areas is certainly something this county should look at. But I'll be glad to come back and visit you at another. Has anybody got a little car from you have a car service? I don't bring it. I don't bring it today. I'm in the Fairfax County Taxpayers Alliance. Is there anything that from my wheelhouse in Raston? Is there anything that might be relevant to you all? My perspective. As a we, Nancy, I haven't seen. We, we work closely with the Fairfax County Transit staff. We have several routes running into Fairfax. Right, and I've seen that, and sadly, they're not being much utilized. Uh, I, Walter Alcorn, our supervisor, heads the Fairfax County Board Transportation Committee, and I've done board for over 15 years. So my comment would be if somebody gives me something, I'll send an email. So that in certainly in dealing with Bovada, the issues from Loudoun County are going to be somewhat parallel. Well, absolutely. I, I work with Bovada all the time. I've left my glasses. Yeah, I did bring my glasses with me. So okay, I'll, I'll look it up online. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
So moving on to stack updates, stack transit service and register updates. This is fine. Uh, I'm gonna take that one. Um <laughs> my grand return to the tagging. Um so we have as obviously you guys are all aware of we had our labor issue back earlier in the year. Um on commuter service, since the end of that strike, we've seen a steady climb in ridership to where Past few weeks, we've actually seen a couple of weeks that are getting close to our pre-holiday, pre-strike. That whole, you know, the holiday or the labor strike was preceded by the typical holiday hit that we always see. So that is showing some signs of recovery, uh, and then ran into summer. So we'll see what happens with as we run into summer. Um, hopefully, we'll see some more from the transit perspective. Hopefully, some more uh, return to work and back in the office. Activity uh, on our local service. Uh, when you look at the graph, it obviously looks fairly volatile, but obviously it was also impacted by the strike. Um, but a little longer term trend, it's actually fairly steady. Uh, but I think it's also very early to really draw too many conclusions since we really went to our full full Silver Line service just on May second. So that sounds like a long time, but in terms of transit ridership and trends and trying to get the word out, uh, that's actually pretty brief. Um, very anecdotal, completely anecdotally, I am encouraged by the calls we take in the office because we are basically the public call center for Loudoun County Transit. Um, and I personally have taken a number of calls from people in and around Loudoun County, uh, trying to find out about the new routes, where they go, um, and more important, even more important than the, just the calls is the responses when we talk through their options and where is the stop located, how often the bus comes. I get, I've gotten quite a few, hey, that's great, this will really work, glad to see it. So hopefully those folks are getting on the bus, they're not just looking it over saying, hey, that sounds great, and just getting in their car anyway. Um, even laying out trips for people who are not just getting to the metro and commuting, but you know, trips for people from places like Brambleton to uh, the Wagons. Um, somebody, I, I helped a lady on that, trying to get her uh, that trip. So that's, you know, when we built the system around the metro stations, it was not just feed the stations, it was trying to improve the mobility around the county, at least the parts of the county we were serving. So phone calls like that are very encouraging. Obviously it's one phone call amongst many other phone calls amongst how many million people or 100,000 people in the county? 480,000 people. So I haven't talked 480,000 people, but still it's encouraging. It's it's an encouraging tone. So hopefully we'll, we'll you know, those people will get on the bus and we'll have good experience and they'll keep moving forward. Um, paratransit is still, um, past few weeks has been uh, fairly steady. Um, but overall, you know, much longer term over the past couple of years, it's definitely steady growth. So we're going to keep monitoring that. Uh, we're fairly certain we've laid the groundwork to be ready to keep absorbing ridership there. But we also know we haven't done a lot to push the paratransit service. We know that there is probably a great deal of demand that if we really start getting noisy with the paratransit service and its availability. We could be overwhelmed pretty quickly, so we're kind of going to go with that character. But uh, yeah, I think we're sitting in a pretty good place. But we'll see what the future means. 
So we talked about community versus and then metro, and now we know the guidance of the perspective from boards to boards needs to move away from slowly uh, away from commuter commuter buses to metro and not as a parallel service. Is that right? I'm sorry, I'm not hearing you. Right. So this one is really bad. Look, the boards to boards is the idea behind. Uh, metro is to fully latch on to metro moving away from commuter buses. I don't think there's been a clear statement from the board yet. There have been comments from some board members indicating the question of whether we should continue to run long haul service. But obviously, the whole board may need to make a decision on where they want us to go. And I think we'll get more guidance as we present the strategic plan to them. But um, Right now, we're, we're providing if, if there's more demand for the long haul service, we're beefing that up, or if it's locally, we, we just accordingly. So, um, so how's the ridership on the commuter buses? Just uh, generally, like I said, it's obviously it took a huge hit with the labor, uh, but it has been steadily growing in terms of. Uh, we are running, you know, in the middle of June, the middle of the week, middle of June, we were running over 1,200 trips a day. Uh, again, middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you're about 25 or 7. Yeah, it'll still. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's still comparatively less. 25 percent more than 12. So pre pandemic, we were averaging between 4,500, 5,000 miles a day. Meter bus, and we're what range from 12 to 1600 depending on the day. But like the strike really, we were on a, an upward climb and it just dipped. And, uh, it's starting to come back now. How much was it before the strike and after the pandemic? Strike that. That was about 25%. And it hit as high as 28. Okay, high as it was 28 and now. Uh, 28%. Yeah, 29%. You mean right now or before the strike? Before the strike, after the pandemic, before the strike, the highest we got was about 28. 28, okay. And now the peak we have hit is 25. Right. It's, it's, close. it's, it's close enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, a couple of things. Um, one, actually, I think you can see that just the, everything's going. A lot of people work at home, and DC is a great example of a lot of that. You know, we have a lot in common with those cities like San Francisco, and that's where we see a lot of remote. But the fact it's going up, and you can see if you look at if you have the packet in front of you, I have this packet, and see it says Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's clearly that's the that's the big one. Do you guys um, have less? Do we do less uh, buses on Friday? Because it is clear that it's a cliff. You know, so we from like. Tuesday or Wednesday, we have over 1,200 trips. On Fridays, you're you're in the 400. You know, so do you guys have the same number of buses and drivers that day? So I kind of back to my earlier point that maybe having a senior discount on a Friday could actually be useful uh, just because you still have those empty seats. And if, so then we were if, if we were decreasing the number of buses because it's Friday, we don't have that many, and we're already saving money. I think that might might. might Boot, but if we are having the same number of drivers and the same number of buses, I would encourage uh, encourage the board, and then maybe that's something we do have a massive problem to put into the annual report there. 
as, as a something that something to encourage ridership on uh, days that are days or seasons. You know, sometimes seasons like summer might be less of a but you know, or the week between the meters. Uh, uh, just to take, you know, I know I I've been thinking about uh, this. The commuter bus is a. I think I can't remember if it was two meetings ago or the last thing during the strike. Uh, there was a group of people that were here that were yeah. So the people that use it, they really need it. And I would argue that Silverline is the fact that they have the Silverline is great. But I wouldn't necessarily say that that's something they can do as a long-term replacement for for the commuter. Yeah, that was two meetings ago uh, in Leesburg, and that's how we got solely on board. I would, I would 100% uh, um, concur with that, is that uh, it's wonderful to have the Silver Line. It is a great backup for when something goes wrong or if one has to get back home in the middle of the day, uh, but it is not, uh, it's not good for long term, let's put it that way. Uh, and in terms of the, uh, I know the plural anecdote is not data, but uh, the lines for the buses have been growing and it seems the word is getting out, even in the midst of summer. I was very surprised last week by how many people were there even on a Monday. So, uh, sorry, that's just my two cents. That's interesting to hear that comment about the lines of the buses is, is getting longer. Have, have we seen that? That feel? Well, we're looking at the ridership stats. Yeah. Yeah. How fast are you know is the line fast? So we is it you know if you see it like a double you know per week or how often do we monitor that? Like how well we monitor ridership every day. Okay, so from the last meeting we had, for example. And, you know, we were talking about being available. Oh, like what is the increase there? So I'm I'm going to say the the from the end of the well, it was it was May. May May. Yeah. So I mean that the week before Memorial Day, we totaled 3,500 trips. Um, Surprisingly enough, the week of June 19th, which was a federal holiday that week for Juneteenth, I'm sorry. We go the week before that, week 612, we carried, we made 4,800 trash. So to put that in more relevant perspective for you, we were running about 300 PDS a day during the last week. We were, we were running 900 and 1,000. At our meeting two months ago, at that period of time, okay. last four to sixty days later, or you know, roughly just just shy of thirteen hundred. So they it's increased. Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 not jumping like it was pre pandemic. Sure. It was a pretty good jump. It's a, yeah, that's and we expect that to jump again right. on September one when school right. kicks back on. Yeah, because Mid people month. know about it now. You know, and it's been coming and back. We, Suspect because it's it's very complicated. We haven't advertised it one I See, so. so and also I was gonna say that uh, you know with the uh, new uh, hirings that people are doing out of the market, 
they are going from just only remote positions to hybrid to some requiring on-site fully. So it's changing. So we're going to change, see some of these patterns change as well. It's not just Tuesday, Wednesday. When people see that they have to stand in the long lens, as Susie mentioned, they're like, oh, no, that's going to be a long day. Switch to Mondays and Fridays as well. So we don't see some 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 changes there. Right. Any other questions, comments on the ridership updates before we yeah, I figure um product projections. Um, I don't know how you all are looking at it, but say someone in the federal agency, I know our agency, the they're slowly no, actually they're not even slow. Top brass is made it clear they expect people to be in everyone's kicking and screaming but they've been very unusually candid and direct about we hear what everyone's saying however this is what we're going to do so i know my agency they they already told us that um they expect three days a week in the office as um it's not a hybrid or it's a hybrid like the new normal so it's we're on the, a little bit on the forefront, but I I I say I like to say I I, I one way or the other I think ridership is going to still come back significantly more because business is going to it's, it's still changing it's still evolving. So what federal agency? I'm looking at DIC. Okay, so put that in perspective. Very mathematical guy. Pre-pandemic, when you operate five days a week, you're at five thousand. So if you're operating three days a week, you're at six percent. So we're twenty-five, you know, about twenty-five percent now. So theoretically, you're going to get, you know, you've got another thirty-five percent to grow day of your pre-pandemic operation. And that's kind of been my target point all along, expecting this hybrid thing to get there. So I think when we get to that number, then I think we'll have, you know, barring any unforeseen changes, barring mandate five day a week or four days from back. Um, I, I think when we get to that level, we'll pretty much know that we're back with us. As far as we're going to go with pre pandemic ridership, but now we're in, in ridership. Kind of the way I look at it. So, on top of everything. Yeah, exactly. So, until we see, um, the, say the full ridership or whatever the case is, um, are, will we be staying um, revenue neutral? So the policy right now is that right. it's been Penny stated it earlier. It's, it's suspended right now through the end of FY twenty four. Okay, so we are through for this fiscal year. Uh, I think that's what the policy. Yeah, I think you're right on that. But we're gonna we're getting ready to do budget for FY25. Yeah. We're gonna have to revisit yeah. that again and see where we're at because you know the board is the board was pretty stringent on one that to be done. And if we get back to having as many people on, they're gonna want it back to that level again or close to. In pre-pandemic, ten dollars got you ten dollars a ride. We've had significant cost increases, so I don't think ten dollars per ride is going to get you there anymore. Uh, I haven't quite 
frankly, I haven't done the math to figure out what it would be mm -hmm. under the new rates because we just started the rates as well. Yeah, especially given that if you're running in empty buses, say, I'm just beginning to go on Fridays, right? So those kind of costs have to, have to be offset somewhere. Yeah, and it's, you know, if you're looking at it from a purely business standpoint, just to kind of pull the curtain back, you could go, okay, let's cut buses on Friday. But then you're hurting your driver. Yeah. Right, because now you're cutting 20% yeah. of their yeah. hours out, yeah. and you lose them. Yeah. They go work somewhere else, and yeah. now you're trying to find them. So it's a vicious cycle. So yeah. we have, we're trying to find the balance to keep the workforce happy yeah. and and to balance the budget. Yeah. I was going to ask that question, but then I thought that during the strike we went through that where they had to go through training, uh, you know, before they can actually start getting the loans. Yeah, that's right. I sort of kept that question back. Maybe it makes make sense. Those um, when uh, I just asked this because I heard from from your process. Uh, from where I live in Brambleton and South Reading and Shanty areas, such a service that a lot of people, um, you know, appreciate uh, having that service. You know, those in Ireland Metro, it's an appreciated service. Those electric bus service, it's very much appreciated. That's always good feedback to get to. Yeah, no, they, they like the buses. I mean, I personally have taken the bus to DC. Um, you know, I would, even in the headquarters district, I would take it in my heartbeat. It's pretty, it's pretty. I if I had a choice, I mean, thankfully, financially able to do the difference there, but it, it saved me like almost 50% of the time versus Metro. So it's Metro is like, like, I think it is like an hour and a half now. Sit down. I, I know. So. Okay. We've had a staff member after the COG meeting, we were meeting at COG, and she said, oh my God, what was it, uh, Scott, an hour and a half or hour 15 minutes? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, a, it was an hour and a half for her to get there. Just from Ashton stage, yeah, that didn't include the drive to yeah. Ashton. Right, right. That's just from the frame. Yeah. yeah, and and that was also, you know, in the spirit of transparency, she had a delay because the train broke down. They were single track, and but but even it's not an uncommon. Even what model will tell you, I I plan my route. I'm going to a, a game next week. I plan my route to Park. It was I think an hour and thirty seven minutes from train to train. You know, until I get off at the Navy, and it's like that's just that's a lot, and that's just, that's not including the time it takes me to get to and wait for the train and things like that. So, so if I had an opportunity to take a commuter bus, I would do it in a year. Anytime, if you are on rail and you have, tell us, give us the examples like you're just giving us because that's that's helpful information because to me, transit is about options. And options are about what can you afford. And so if we can continue to run long haul service with the silver line and within the budget that the board has, I think that's wonderful. I think that's what we should be after. Um, it always comes down to dollars. Yeah, what's the what's cost they quoted me six dollars, but I was well, being uh, yeah, but I wasn't going rush hour. I was going outside rush, so I was like, I think it was like six dollars or something. Like that. But I think it's it way was six dollars, six bucks, yeah. 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 But even from like the desperate perspective, right? It's very difficult to run on the same route a local service and an express service, right? I mean, New York, New York's subway, right? They, they do that all the time. It, it's very very common, right? And that's essentially what it is, right? It's, the bus has an express service and metro is more local service. Oh, I can't okay. 
Yeah, they're absolutely complementary. Fine, fine, That's a great way to put it. I mean, all of them, the board has to see them now that we have matter. They need discovered. These are different needs that the services are complementary. And don't think it makes sense to kind of teach them against each other. They should, like, you're going to take a bus to places corner, right? But also, it doesn't make sense to stop everywhere. If you didn't so, this is a conversation that Vlad just exactly mentioned that I had with my neighbors even before, well before Metro came in, right? This was seven, eight years ago. So, the conversation was, oh, would you be taking the Metro when the Metro gets here? Um, question was, answer was no. Because exactly to what we just said, because it's like from, from point A to point B. I'm like, oh, no, I just go through these. Ops to get there. So it does absolutely different. Whereas mental, like we can, you know, uh, get on somewhere, get off somewhere, do something, get back on, whatever the case may be. Those are different types of things. So if I might be so bold, this is exactly what this is. And versus having a conversation with the staff, this is what should your motion should be. To the board to tell them this is what you're hearing from your constituents. I think we can have it as part of our, um, you know, um, whatever uh, recommendation. Recommendation. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So that's one. That's one of them. I think. Yeah. And another thought that came to mind yeah. at one point it was mentioned uh, a, a bus route, long haul route on long route seven. Now, I think go back to the minutes and think about what that might mean. You know, we've been going down to DC and, and that and that way. I know that the Silver Line eventually gets the Tyson's corner, but the Route 7 has become a lot more efficient than it was before. Yeah, and in loud. It's not in very fast. I just drove it. Really? Because they it's it'll it'll be great about five years. So I just suggest that you consider that in your, you know, when you go through the minutes and think about what was talked about at that point. So just to finish up the game next week, we're looking to go. I did the math, and it was a simple and dirty math. I don't use a greenway, just sheer objection to it, just won't use it. But um, so if you talk about the toll road, and then you have HOV, so four people in a car, and parking, it's about $76. So $12 uh, each, um, I think it was $76 yeah. or $72, something like that. But it's, a, it's about $76 when I calculate, including parking at Nantumar. <laughs> But four people on Metro is 48. Yeah. So another thing, and it will, it will be about half an hour faster generally. But um, you know, you you have an opportunity not to drive and not to deal with that traffic, and you're actually saving some money. So it's usually that's one of the reasons why we're all taking the Metro. Mm -hmm. Well, it's yeah. actually 48 plus your parking, so you're at 53, right? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get my wife to drop me off at the year. Right away. Yeah. Don't forget about the 495 to park at the metro station. Yeah. 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 And I'll stay for the need yard. I won't be taking it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a better, it's a lot better now than when I was yeah. in college. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a. Uh, I'm shaving down there. <laughs> Hey, I mean, she were doing down there. Oh. I don't remember much 
spent either. Or it's lovely than that, really. <laughs> All right, I think we spent a good time on that. Uh, moving on to the uh, IM3B board member initiative response, we've got three parishioner students. Do you want to take this? Sure. I think it, it's going to roll right into yours and it has to do with those. Yeah, guys. yeah. Um, this, um, I think, you reported previously, this has evolved into something bigger than just students. We are actually uh, have the kickoff today that Scott mentioned earlier that we're we are asking consultant to confirm what we as staff believe is to go fare free locally, meaning all local routes within Loudoun County, um, some that travel into to uh, Fairfax, but fare transit, which is two dollars a ride, would be also fare free. Um, Alexandria has done this, um, and of course, Alexandria geographically, population wise, is very high density urbanized area. They saw a tremendous jump in ridership by going to fare free. Our fares are, are low at $1 per ride. But on the other hand, we think that, well, I think we will pick up a few more people that we don't get right now with fare free. And the other dynamic that's going on at the same time is it's time to replace all the fare collection equipment on our buses. And so rather than spend a lot of money on that, now is the time to make a decision about going fare free. And so we're hoping for an October, maybe November report from this consultant on that because that's priority number one. We want to get that on the board and see, see where they come out on it. I'd like to see the golf benefit analysis on that. Okay. See what we can do on that. So that's where that's at. Hopefully we'll get that resolved in um, in November with the board. Um, one of the things I'll mention and this is a staff perspective. I was working on assessments for my staff, Scott and, and Gladys, who report to me directly. And I put together just what happened in fiscal 23 for transit. I hope we don't have any more years like 23. I mean, <laughs> the labor strike, um, the silver line arriving, which was great. That was good news, but it meant a whole lot of work that Sarah and Steve and Scott all worked on. Um, then we had. Um, the labor, the, the, not, not enough drivers for our buses, and just one thing after another. But we ended the year on a very good note, fiscal year 23, and it's not on here, I don't think, but um, we applied for and got a federal grant um, to $19 million, I believe it is, $15, $16 million for 37 body on chassis, a fueling facility, and a maintenance retrofit um, improvements. So it's been a crazy year in 23. But I'm hoping that by 24 things start stabilizing. So it's been quite a ride, so to speak. So, um, so, um, so I mentioned the federal grant. I'll go on to the uh, next item here: the uh, uh, service outside of Loudoun County, getting right, getting people into Loudoun County to work within Loudoun County. That item should go to the board at the beginning of September, or the second meeting in September. So we're trying to get that in front of the board to get their approval. We've got a scope of work with a consultant doing analysis west of, west of town. And we're also going to look at going south. I think there's a number of people that travel through the county from Prince William County that come here to work. So, so we're trying to get that activated as well. And then I want to mention, um, I think Sarah had sent out the report on the paratransit boundary uh, study that we did. Um, Okay, I didn't have those current agenda. That makes sense. Um, 
That went to the board on Tuesday. That was on consent, which meant it was approved unanimously by the board. So we will continue to maintain the three quarter of a mile distance from a, a rail station or a metro line, excuse me, a bus line. So that will not change. Um, so that that's um, another piece of work that we've had to undertake. So um, let's see. Um, paratransit, okay. Um, do you want to talk about the studies? Sure. Okay, well, let me mention the commuter assistance program plan. Is that the city's plan that you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, go ahead. You're on a roll, Penny. <laughs> okay. Okay. We we were um the thing I didn't mention about 23 was that we moved to another department. So that caused, you know, a lot of angst and you know what's it gonna be like and new leadership and that type of thing. But um so our strategic plans were more or less put on hold because there was just too much going on between the, the labor situation, um, getting moved and all that. We were told just put everything on hold. Well, earlier this month, we reactivated the work with Kenley Horn. So um, both the CAP strategic plan and the transit strategic plan are moving forward again. Uh, you'll recall probably it was last fall, we had a series of questions that you gave us input on with a consultant about transit, how you saw it. I think also your annual report will be helpful for them to see in terms of what you're projecting into the future and things that we need to consider. So both of those are moving forward. Um, I, we haven't turned up the schedule yet on those, but there may be another round of public input on what, what we come up with those two strategic plans. What was the second uh, strategic plan? There's a transit strategic plan, which is more focused on the operation side, and the commuter assistance program focuses on what do we do to help people understand and know our system and know how to use the system. Um, we're also, this year, in fiscal 24, we've gotten a marketing grant of nearly $400,000 from the state to help market transit in a way that more people who may not know transit can get more familiar with it. For instance, as our public affairs people astutely told us, when you say commuter, what does that mean to you? Well, that means something different to everybody. People commute to a grocery store, but they don't call it commuting. So we've got to look at the language we use to help people understand that we have a system out there that means they don't have to drive a car. They can find the bus stop and get, get to their destination. So, so a lot more to on that area. Um, and that will be done regardless of the strategic plans, but we're going to feed that data into the strategic plans for the CAP program. So both programs are required by the State Department of Transit and Public, public Rail, Transit and Public Rail, Transportation Public Rail. And um, in order to get money from the state, we have to complete this, those uh, studies, which is good. I think it helps us step back and say, what should we be doing that we aren't doing? So, so I think all good stuff going on. It's just the volume of work is to be a lot of times. But hopefully it'll just be regular work that we're doing this year, not dealing with strikes and labor shortages or strikes and stuff like that. So yeah, can I ask a question on the um the board member initiative response for the free fairs? Uh-huh. Students see when in in your experience when you do change to a free fair or something um one thing that i know people 
fear that as far as uh, it brings crime or something mm -hmm. like that, or it makes it more sketchy. Mm -hmm. Does data bear that out at all? Like, is, is there any more of an issue because they're free fare versus someone that has to pay? I, I think there's probably research out there that suggests that that can be a problem. Um, I, I don't know how that would play out in Long County because a dollar affair is pretty low, but it still probably keeps some people off the bus. So I think there's more to come on that. We'll kind of see. But I think that's real consideration. If you don't feel safe on the transit system, you're not going to use it. That's what Lamont is dealing with right now in certain areas. It's, Things have happened, and, and it's it's frightening. So. I can jump in on that real quick. There, there is data that shows. I don't, I don't know that crime is the right word, but there is data that shows, for example, uh, when you go to a free fair, that you know the homeless population will will start riding buses more, and. Which is fine, except for the fact they don't get off the bus. See, when you have a fare, you can go from point A to point B, and then you have to get off the bus. You can't just keep riding. Without a free fare, that becomes an issue where somebody stays on the bus. So, one of the things that will come out of this free fare study, I'm sure, is there are, you know, you have to codify something, right? You have the code turning the law that says, even though it's a free fare, you have to get off the bus. Right, you can only go from point A to point B, and you have to get off the bus. That way, it it allows you to kind of start to mitigate that that problem of having that issue. Okay. And that's just one of the issues, you know. But that's a big issue where you just get people and 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 listen. It's it's a combination of a customer service and then still trying to keep you know folks feeling safe on the bus, right? Mm -hmm. On one hand, if you get a homeless person, it's 20 degrees outside, they can get warm, right? You know, on the other hand, you know, you've got other people getting on the bus and, and they're scared because they don't look exactly like that, right? right. So you have that issue. So we, we have to kind of find the balance and there. You can codify some things to help that stop that piece of it. It, it makes it basically the same as it is now. Right. It's not yeah. much changing it's, anything. It else. is a real thing um, for, for people and you know there's there's logic and then there's emotion mm -hmm. and both play a part. Really emotion is very strong too. When I, I worked in retail, you know, you always when we first got started, they said, Oh, you know, watch out for the teens that are coming in, you know, they're gonna steal this and that. And well, I talked to some of the, the bosses there. I, I was at uh, Macy's, um, just, yeah, Macy's. Different version. Anyway, Macy's. And they said, Yeah, you know, it's funny people say that. He said, But where we get where we get really hurt is nothing like the demographic that's in the news or what you see or what people fear. He said, while we're looking at teens and you know the beanies and the you know hooded folks, he said, he said, Well, we're getting killed. He says um, middle-aged white women like um, homo. Wives. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, homemakers. They said that, you know, they can dresses or something like two, three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a pop and stuff. And so, that that covers, you know, sneakers and jeans and ball caps and, you know, for a, a month or two or three. So, but we can't, it's hard to get people to retrain where the, where the threat really is because of the, the, the emotion, the fear. So, perception. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It, it, if if you can at all build it in, or if it's already in there, it would be interesting to see how the study um, 
fairness of data out as far as free and does it actually mean more? I think you're right on. So when I hope I don't break the quorum. You're good on quorum. So I think you're raising some good points, Charles, and, and there's always unintended consequences to policy. So um, we'll reach out to places like Alexandria and we'll just find their free and see what they've done. You know, let's learn from them and our consultants, not on the strategic plan, but the ones that the, the study that we just kicked up today that will be looking at this. We can ask them for policies to protect the ridership and what policies need to go with a program like that. Right, because anything can be built. It wouldn't, like you said, the unintended consequences. You know what? That's where the that's where the the buffers come in. That's where the confidence. You know, the you can set up you can set up the right kind of program to mitigate that controls in ways ahead of time. Yeah, that, that can also go a long way. Very good comments. Any other questions? Um, comments to what Denny covered? She covered quite a bit. Um, she went fast too. She went fast too. But it's also different between the crime that you know, the, the Georgetown was worried about crime being imported into the, into the neighborhoods versus crime that is actually happening on the system. Those are very separate things. And so, you know, so, but, you know, if you look at studies, uh, they'll say that property values will go up in areas that have, but marginal amounts, they will still go up if there's transfer available to that area. But, it doesn't change. I mean, there's crime on the buses and things like that. But uh, I don't think Georgetown has anything to worry about when it comes to property values. But I'm sure they're missing out on. Uh, I'm sure they're missing out on some happy some people. Sure. Okay. The one study I didn't mention that Sarah's worked on real hard with the consultant is that uh, we're closing the Percival Park and Ride lot. Yeah. And whenever we change the service, we're closed. The Percival. July one we had. Um, uh, we have to do a Title VI analysis to see if there's any impact on minorities or low-income um, individuals, and the outcome is that we're, we're fine. We've not disproportionately affected any of those groups, uh, so um, we're okay in terms of Title VI. Yes, Colonel Mann, he actually loves us strong again. He reached out to me, but he doesn't. Uh, he said his friends and his friend who lives in Percival and we used to write the community bus from the lot there who doesn't fall in the um, you know uh, categories that we usually search to get they are impacted in the equity analysis categories so it's not he doesn't fall into those buckets the person who writes but he he said that um, you know he used to take buses from there he's impacted yeah it is it the lot that includes new location or the previous location? Uh, the previous location. It's on uh, Browning Court down. Oh, it's it's parallel to Route Seven. It's sort of a side road that parallel. Okay. If you go to Goldsboro, you would probably go down that road. Buffer person. And that was that moved. Well, wasn't moved, right? Yeah. It was combined with Harmony or something like that. Yeah. The, the, the origination now is in Hamilton at the Harmony Park Ride Line. Um, the schools had purchased, actually, the county had purchased that property in Percival with the intent that eventually will result of Western Park and Ride Lot across Seven on Farms Field. We would give everything back to the schools. Well, the town of Percival decided that they didn't want the 
West and Loudon Park and Ride lot. So then we decided, well, schools were saying they needed their lot. And so we said, okay, then we're going to have to just close it and move it up to Harmony. So that's Um, so I think a couple of, uh, I think only one uh, item uh, wasn't covered, if I'm right, or wasn't covered correctly. If I'm wrong. Plans and strategic plan, which was that covered for you? So when yeah. you covered it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much you covered it all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any questions um, on any of the items that were covered? So how much of the federal grant was received? You said for the. It, yeah, it was a nine, um, sixteen million dollars. Sixteen million dollars. And about two million of that comes from the county. Um, and we're working with the RPT right now because they may have to match the funds to that so that we don't have to put as much local money into the grant match. Okay. But it buys us 37 body and chassis buses, buses and creates, and these are CNG vehicles. I didn't know. Okay. CNG, I was going to ask the categories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The board in December of, I think it was last year, my years start running together. It might have been 18 months ago. It's the post COVID years. <laughs> Uh, the board um, wanted us to come forward, the county to come forward with a recommendation on low emission or no emission type of building. Um, I think Scott's mentioned before, we're not too keen on EVs yet because I don't think the technology is really tested and we know that it costs, you almost have to buy two buses to every one with, with the EVs. But compressed natural gas is a very low emission type of fuel. So, we feel like that's that's a good alternative until hydrogen progresses to the point where we could consider using hydrogen. But that's definitely the case. What's the lifespan of these buses again? Well, same as same as these. Probably here twelve years. Depending on the size of the bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. body on chassis CNGs that she's talking about would probably be five year buses. Five year one fifty or seven year two hundred. I, I have to look at C and D. What is that? So, so not to there's a keep an open mind with EV for one reason. I heard this battery technology that's coming out toward the end of this yeah. the twenty seven something like that. Toyota is working on that will have rapid recharge and uh, longer life. Uh -huh. So so battery technology is also evolving very quickly. So just you know the reason why I asked about the 12, 12 years was you know in that lifespan somewhere probably about halfway we're going to start looking to replace it and then um, you know so just just keep them out. All I'm saying is keep an open mind. EVs might end up being that way. Um, I know we're getting a lot of power around round seven, so we might be able to use that. So. We're trying to take care of the data centers. <laughs> Yeah, back to EVs, EVs are not off the table. Battery electric buses. It's going to be EVs. Battery electric buses are off the table. But it's not there yet. That's the no, point. Like, and and we, will keep, we will keep an eye on it. And as things evolve, we'll start to see where it goes and, and, go, and go down that path. Keep in mind, too, yes, the battery technology is progressing. But those batteries are currently $75,000 a piece. And they currently only last about half the bus's life. Yeah. So they haven't figured out how to handle that one yet either. So that that's why we said they're not quite there yet for us to buy, but we are there. We have rule now. We're just waiting for that technology to get them. You don't the actual life of the batteries. Yeah. Yeah. And what they do with the batteries after they die. Yeah. Another big question. Another big question. 
So we always wait until peaks before we actually go for it. So we are five, ten years behind. We don't want to be the guinea pigs. Yeah, right? That's the experiencing all the ups and downs of the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Being on the forefront of that. But are there any other questions to what Penny covered in item setting 3C? Or actually, from 3B, 3C, 3D, and then 3D, getting any questions? I had one question going back to the personal parking ride. Um, I know the county bought the property west of Percival mm -hmm. to do what this town would let them do at Centerfield Farm. Is there any consideration to put in a uh, parking ride lot there? Mm -hmm. I've asked the question. I, mean, I don't know if they have room for it, but it's curious. Yeah, I, I think that it'd be nice to have a further west parking ride lot somewhere, but right now it's not. So. Yeah, but once they put in the interchange there, they may change If if they put in the interchange, that's another. Oh, so it's just one exit. The eastbound exit from uh, Brown Hill is the one in question right now. Yeah, they'll get the one at Berlin Turn right there. Yeah, the other one I don't know. Yeah. Do any of you live in the town first of all? You don't, do you? I live right outside. So. I'm up to date with what they do. Yeah. Or don't do. I didn't want to back out the down person. I saw figured like your painting was going to that question, but no. <laughs> speak. We'll, we'll say yes and we can we'll say no. But uh, any other questions, comments, or yes, yes, I have a comment. Yes, sir. I would like to commend this the staff for their diligent work in this time that we're going through. I mean, this time it takes a lot of patience because it, the writer's membership depends on a lot of what, what we're suffering from the past pandemic that we're just recovering from. And for the level of work that they've been consistently doing and Bringing towards, bringing towards us these meetings and showing us the progress. I think it takes a lot of patience when it comes to us as a board to really understand that this is not going to happen overnight. That there's a lot of factors that's going to influence people getting back on the buses, and like like Charles said, it's coming back where agencies are telling the people they need to get back in the offices because more and more is the offices are getting empty. Yeah, people are taking advantage of the fact that they don't they can work from home. But it's gonna to come to a day when you have to go back to work. And I am happy and happy that we that you as a staff are doing such a diligent job in preparing the company for that. 
And I hope that you know you, you get future success on your diligent work. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm starting to yeah. No, they are nothing but fantastic, not just not just now, but even brief always I remember them before we come. Yeah, no, no, I wasn't no, I was just saying so they 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 are they are, they have done nothing but fantastic job um on staying on top of things, you know, going through the ups and downs uh, with a labor strike and whatnot. That's like a that's like a curveball, right? So you're not really prepared for it. So you have to go through that. Get, get drivers back on, train them, and then put them back into uh, bus. Uh, that's stuff they have. Uh, they're really a big black. So, uh, but yeah, no, like Ray said, thank you for everything that you guys do. Not just for updating us, but also actually keep the operations and lights on, answering phones, like Stephen was saying earlier. Yeah, thank you. Thank you from point A to point B. Well, we've right now, I should give you an update on that. We've got three positions vacant. One is the um, mobility services coordinator, which the board gave us a year ago. Um, we're doing interviews next week for that position. And I think we've got some strong candidates in that pool. The position that we report to Stephen, uh, our logistics person, and we change it to more of a planner type title because we we're getting the kind of applicants we want. We recruited twice now and have not gotten anybody that fits what we're looking for. So we have to rethink how we're going to do that. Um, that would help support the operations side. A second position in the operations side, I need to get advertised. It's one that would probably occupy at the facility where the buses actually operate out of and help keep Stephen informed about what's going on on the one we tour yeah so we're trying to get this filled um we're disappointed with two recruitments we haven't found interest in we're looking for so so you know the tab can share we'd be happy to share um any of those openings that we have not had success with um, please, that's a good question. Yeah, um, we'll be happy to uh, share. Um, and you said for two positions. Yeah. So we'll be happy to, uh, you know. Um, Are they already listed on the website? Uh, the, well, one's open until filled. And so I could continue that one. We're probably going to pull it back. And, or well, we may leave it out there. It may not hurt to leave it out there, but we're going to have to look at who we're advertising. I think we need to get to more of the transit focused agencies rather than a general type of advertising. Right. And I don't know if we focused on any particular professional organization. To do yeah, that. that's going to be one of my questions for yeah. Diane and I approved is where it did well, yeah. on their normal where yeah. did it yeah. And so, yes, just a point of uh, notes that we have 10 minutes. Yeah, you can do library. Clean up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the caskets. Yeah, they can only let the Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, we just offered to share that posting, so anything to help um, be uh, better or no. Easy. Yeah. Oh, before we adjourn, we have to announce that the next meeting is that, planned for Wednesday, September 20th. I don't know if we can This will be a new uh, location for us. We have not met there. Oh, okay. Oh, this is the one uh, next to the Brownwood Town Center. Yes. Okay. What are you going to be the first of the library? City of the uh, apartment <laughs> <laughs> building.
Have a good night, y'all. Thank you. Bye. I will the first person.